Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, uh, my guest is Ross Brennan with Strategic Wealth Specialists. Welcome, Ross. Thanks for having me, Gary. So t- tell us uh, some about yourself, how you got to, to where you are now, and, and what made you become an advisor? Well, something you'll not be able to tell on the podcast, audio or Zoom, but I'm six foot eight. And so I, <laughs> I'm a tall drink of water, as they say. Um, so uh, actually, I played uh, I played football in college at Florida State University and stayed here in Tallahassee afterwards. And uh, I was a client of the firm. Uh, and then uh, I, I've kind of always been financially minded. I uh, hope that doesn't come off cocky. And they said, hey, come work with us. And that was 11 years ago. And here I am today. Nice. So, so when you first started in the industry, you started with the company you're with now correct which Uh, you know yeah so that probably a lot of people are kind of career with one per one group a lot of people kind of hop around to each their own there's obviously different models and so i've been with this company and um really you know our philosophy i I, i'm just a big believer in and uh and and so there's just a lot of things that i see where improvements can be made in the financial services arena Unfortunately, there tends to be not the greatest reputation with financial advisors. Right. And, and so hopefully I can at least, with the people I work with, help cure that ill, if, if, if shall we say. Right. Now, uh, tell us, I mean, Strategic Wealth Specialist is not just located in, in Tallahassee. Now, we've got offices from New Orleans all the way to Tampa. Uh, I don't even know how many advisors we have now. Um, and so... We're, we're a growing firm. It, it didn't start. It was hasn't always been that big. The firm's been it's been around for over forty years. Okay. So um, so it's been uh, it's been really uh, really successful. Worked with thousands of clients over multiple decades. We've we've seen what works and what doesn't work, and we like to pride ourselves on that. Right. So what did, what about financial advising? You know, is what what about it really gets you up and gets you going in the morning? 
I think there's a lot of things out there that the public, quite frankly, is, uh, you know, dare I say, misinformed. I don't think anyone's lying to anybody. I just don't know if the whole truth has always been being told. Right. Um, you know, kind of one of the big things that I talk about a lot is rate of return. Now, rate of return is a very sexy thing to talk about. I like to talk about it. I'm sure you like to talk about it. We all want it. We have to get a rate of return on our money. But the dirty little secret, dare I say, is that rate of savings is actually more important than rate of return. For example, Warren Buffett says the number one habit to acquire is the habit of thrift, i.e. be a saver. So, you know, it's important that we save a, a very large percentage of our income as much as we can. Obviously get a rate of return on it, but sometimes people chase rate of return because they were poor savers. If right. you're a good saver, you don't have to chase rate of return unless you want to. Okay. What, you know, you've been doing this for a while now. What is it that you know now you wish you knew when you first started out? Uh, what I just said. <laughs> I, I wish when I was 21 years old or 23 years old, because I mean, I, I mean, I, I made some good money before I came into the industry and I wasn't the saver that I should have been. I was probably more of a speculator and an investor, an investor and a speculator a little bit and not realizing, um, there, there, there's a lot of power in having a large amount of liquidity. It gives you options. Right. And when I was young, I thought I knew it all, like every young kid does, and I didn't. And so, so I, I think that's one of, the, one of the critical things. What are some of the questions you wish that that you know your clients would ask when you're when you're first meeting with them? Um, is uh, let's see. Is common knowledge that common? And is it knowledge? Right. Uh, you know, you know, typically what we think is just kind of a no-brainer in finance, it isn't always that way when you peel the onion back. There's always more to the story. So I like to talk about like um, you know, the 401k. I like to pick on the 401k, it's the sacred cow of finance, the retirement account. And you know, it, it it's just one of those things that there's just so much misinformation about it and people think, you know, it's the panacea. And, and typically speaking, for most people, the 401k account is not going to be enough money for retirement right. for someone. Uh, it was really designed to layer on top of other things, pension, social security. Uh, but it's kind of evolved in this thing where, where if you don't contribute as much as humanly possible, then you're an idiot. And I, and I don't know that that's accurate. Um, also, one of the things which I know you could speak to is tax deferral. I am vehemently anti-tax deferral. Mm -hmm. I think deferring taxes in the current environment we are in is very likely a large mistake. Uh, I believe uh, that we are in probably the lowest tax rates we're going to see for many, many decades. Mm -hmm. uh, I obviously could be wrong, but I think the evidence is probably on my side, and I've yet to meet a CPA who does not agree with me. Um, but, you know, that's the one thing about predictions, they're never right, they're always wrong. It's just questions in what direction and how by how much. Um, so I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be deferring tax. And obviously, many times retirement accounts are tax deferred. 
So I, a lot of people in my experience don't understand how the tax code works. They don't understand how marginal tax rates work, how effective tax rates work, how money taken out of a retirement account is taxed. And when you lay it out to them, it, it's not always the, uh, the answer isn't always the same. It, it kind of goes back to, you know, we tend to make decisions in a vacuum with blinders on mm-hmm. instead of taking a broad look and looking at things from a macroeconomic perspective. It's like, it's like throwing a rock in the pond and only focusing on the splash and not focusing on the ripple effects. Right. So, and I find when people make decisions macroeconomically, many times they're different than if they were making them microeconomically. Yeah. I think that, um, you know, you, you definitely hit on some, some, Good points there. I mean, with everything that's happened with the pandemic and all of the money that's been given out tax-free, this bill needs to be paid someday. Um, so it's just, you know, when when are the tax rates going to go up is is really the question. Um, you know, we're definitely at a historic low uh, when it comes to, to tax rates. So, um, you know, and with with the current administration that we have, they're saying rates are going up. So we'll have to wait and see well, what happens. Well, I I actually make the statement. I said I tell people it's not a political statement. I don't care if you're Republican right. or Democrat. I agree. I agree. And I don't care who's in office, Republican or Democrat. Rates are going to go up. It's yep. a math issue. Now, obviously, there are some people out there pushing for uh, some policies where the debt does not have to get paid off, and you know that's a different topic for a different day. I, I don't buy into that, and um, I think the bill has to come due. Although we've been pretty good at kicking the can down the road, uh, uh, I, I think the political rhetoric, rhetoric is very easy to stoke the flames, and I think you're going to get higher tax rates sooner rather than later. And, and they're coming in, a, in like five years anyway just because of sunset of the Trump tax cuts, but I think they're coming even sooner. Yeah, I, I, I think our, our, you know, we don't have a can anymore. I think it's more of a barrel that is being kicked down the road and, and something's going to going to change soon. It's just, um, you'd win. So what are some of the, the common mistakes that you are seeing, um, you know, clients make, you know, before they come in and talk to you? Well, I, I see, I see a couple of things. I, well, I see a handful of things. Obviously savings rate, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, not adequately being protected. Uh, that could be something as uh, mundane as auto insurance, uh, mm-hmm. not having the right liability coverages. It could be not having the appropriate amount of other types of insurance. Um, but one of the big ones to go along with the tax conversation is something I call tax diversification. So, um, you know, when you when I typically meet someone, they're very heavy in tax deferred accounts as a percentage of their wealth, mm-hmm. especially if you set aside their house. Um, and, and what I try and do is to diversify the taxes and try and as close to a third, third, a third, get money in tax-free, uh, tax taxable and tax deferred. And uh, it, it's kind of hard to do when you're older, obviously, unless there's some Roth conversions going on, but you know, steering money into taxable and tax-free is is a little more advantageous, especially tax free, uh, than uh, than than tax deferred. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that because, especially with the tax deferred, because so many times you know people have 
just been, you know, putting away in, uh, you know, uh, tax deferred savings. And then when they come of age, they have to start taking, you know, the money out through their RMDs and they don't have cash any other place, but there, and they're not able to do a lot of things that they want because they don't have the available cash. But then when they got to take those RMDs, they're pretty large and, and they get beaten up pretty bad on taxes when they do that. I talked with someone probably nine, 12 months ago. They, they had a, uh, a nice nest egg. Um, and I'm not exaggerating. 90% of it was in tax deferred money. And, and the interesting thing was they retired early. Wow. And so they're, they're in their mid fifties. And, um, and of course, you know, let's say they had $5 million. Um, reality is they don't have $5 million. Right. They've got about $3.75 million or, or whatever the tax rate is. Um, and they didn't realize that. And, 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 but we were having a conversation and they thought everything was hunky dory based on some assumed rates of return that their advisor told them. I was like, well, that's fine. You can assume that rate of return. I said, quite frankly, I'd rather assume a lower rate of return and right. be wrong and get a higher rate of return than assume a higher rate of return and be wrong and get a lower rate of return. Right. And so we, we but you know, they didn't quite see the uh, the challenges of the tax deferred account. And for so long, when these kings came out, the highest rate was 70%. And during the Carter and Reagan years, for so long, you were told you're gonna be in a lower tax bracket. Well, that was a legitimate statement if the tax rate stayed the same previously, but uh, tax rates move, um, as you know. And uh, and what I actually find is my, my most successful clients typically are in higher tax brackets. And most of my clients don't want to take their RMDs because they don't need the money. Right. And so that's a challenge. Now, uh, it looks like they're probably going to do Secure Act 2.0 and probably extend the RMDs another three years, which I think is a good thing. Right. But uh, we'll see what happens. How do you, so when somebody comes into you and, you know, your person, it's got, you know, 90% of their, of their nest egg is in, um, you know, tax deferred accounts. How, you know, and you're pointing this out to them. And I mean, so lots of times this is going to be the first time anybody's ever pointed this out to them. How do you help calm their fears at that point? Because they, they, they got to be terrified once they know that they're getting ready to get clobbered with taxes. Well, it, the, the challenge is, is one, you have to be very truthful. And I, I'm pretty upfront with clients. Of course, I, I'm not like a jerk, but I'm pretty upfront with about it. But if they have a good CPA who can do tax planning mm -hmm. and maybe there's Roth conversions available, then that's a strategy to kind of unwind this to a degree. I don't know, Gary, you might know a CPA who does tax planning. And um, <laughs> so, but those are the conversations we have. It's like, okay, right. you've got to get in front of a new CPA who's telling you how to unwind this because this is not something we can fix overnight. We've got to deal with this, uh, over a number of years. And when I work with someone like these people, they were uh, parents of a friend of mine and they had another advisor and they thought he was um, amazing. And I'm sure he was a great guy, but uh, it, we weren't, we just weren't a good fit together. And, and that's okay. I'm not a good fit for everyone. Everyone's not a good fit for me. Same as, is for, as it was for you. And so when I work with someone, you know, we got to make sure we're a good fit. Oil and water doesn't work. 
and we got to make sure that, you know, I got to make sure they're open-minded to hearing different things because typically they are going to hear um, different things. Um, if, if they think conventional wisdom is, is the only thing that works, then I'm probably not the guy for them. And that's okay. There's plenty of people out there. Right. So, um, you know, we're, we're, I don't want to say we're coming to the end of the pandemic because we're not even even close, but it seems like things are starting to open up. Um, but going into the pandemic and, and going through this, I mean, what were some of the challenges, you know, that you were facing in, you know, whatever, acquiring clients or just being able to, you know, stay in touch with your clients, you know, if you weren't able to, to, to see each other in person? Well, 90% of my clients are spread out all over the nation. So I've got about 10% of my clients in my local community. Um, I have one client who owns several daycare businesses in my town and he was, he's a very, very successful man, but he, um, he, it was a challenging year for him, but I have a lot of, uh, clients who are dentists or orthodontists, endodontists, periodontists who own their own practice. And what I, what you've seen in the dental world is they were shut down for six to eight to 12 weeks, depending on what state they were in. But the pent up demand was so strong that all of them finished the year uh, flat or better than the year before. Uh, and then they had 2021 uh, where uh, so far they're all trending even higher. So I don't know if the coronavirus does something to your teeth, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> It sure seems like it. Right, right. Um, tell us, I mean, you know, there, there's, you know, many different types of financial advisors out there. There's, you know, the the uh, internet-based places that you can invest money and things like that. Uh, tell our listeners, why is it important to use uh, a professional like you to help with, with their investing needs? So you have like those internet places you're talking about, like the betterments, the wealth fronts, what they call the robo advisors. Right. And, uh, you know, there's a certain segment of people that that's a good fit for. Uh, in my experience, and, and, and kind of here's the breakdown of the financial service industry. You have what I call the investment only people. To give an example, that would be like a Merrill Lynch or Raymond James or Edward Jones. Okay. You have a, a very insurance heavy side, which might be a Northwestern Mutual, New York Life, uh, maybe even a mass mutual or, or even some independent people in there. And then you have, um, you know, and typically in my experience, it's kind of like it's one loves investments, hates insurance. One loves insurance, hates investments. And, and I personally feel like it isn't an either or conversation. I think it's a both and conversation because you need them both. And so what I try to do in my practice is I try and do comprehensive financial planning where we're looking at everything. You know, even like, like I said earlier, car insurance, I'm not a licensed car insurance agent. I'm looking at legal documents, auto insurance, property and casualty insurance, life, disability, long-term care, health, cash flow. We do a lot of cash flow modeling, uh, retirement planning, all that stuff, exit planning. If you're a business owner, we, we do all that and we, we make sure everything is integrated together. But when we work with investments, it's my experience that human beings typically are not wired to be good investors we tend to be very emotional and you, a guy like Warren Buffett is emotionless. Okay. You have to be emotionless to buy when there's blood in the streets to sell when everyone's buying to buy when everyone's selling. And that's what he does. And he, I mean, if you read about him, he is fairly unemotional. Um, 
And so when, when I help clients invest money, I'm there to be their coach, to help them emotionally manage the ups and downs of the market. Because on, every year, the markets on average are going to lose 15% at some point during the year, and they'll, they'll come back. But a lot of people, uh, a lot of people just, they make bad decisions. They buy high and sell low. I, I know one couple, they sold their 401k at the bottom in March of 2009. As of today, 12 years later, it's still in cash. Oh. That's a 6x return lost right. item. Right. And so this is why we have to make sure that we're invested in an allocation that suits our personality. How much volatility can we manage? And to make sure we understand how markets work and to make sure how you have someone uh, kind of holding your hand through the process. If you don't need that and you got it all figured out, then, then you don't need me. Maybe you, maybe Betterment or Wealthfront works for you and that's great. Um, but most people are, are not uh, wired for Betterment or Wealthfront in my experience. Right. I, you know, I think, you know, you hit it on the head earlier when you said that, that you're there to help coach. Right. And, and, you know, I feel the same way. It's like, you know, we're constantly teaching and constantly coaching and, and many times talking people off the ledge, um, you know, and, and helping them manage the, the emotion side of things um, from, you know, tax bills to, to, to you know, the, the, what the market's doing. Um, so when, when, when you're picking somebody that you want to help coach with these investments, I mean, what's, what's that ideal client look like for you? Uh, typically, you know, they are a, a business owner at some level, you know, like whether it could be a dentist who owns their own practice. If they're not a business owner, you know, they're typically they're a higher income individual. Um, it's typically probably someone over a half a million dollar income is typically who most of the clients are if they're, you know, shall we say W2 employees, but a, a business owner, I find myself. Uh, working with a lot because there's just more opportunities to help them. If you're a business owner, you have more moving parts. If you're a W2 employee, you have plenty of moving parts, especially if you're high income W2 employee, but there are, um, you, you're limited to some, to some degree. Um, so they need to be uh, typically a good saver. Um, and they need to be coachable and, and have an open mind about things that they're probably, they've never heard of before. Uh, and so those are typically the kind of the, the core values or the core characteristics of people that I work with. So what, you know, if, if somebody's, you know, right now, you know, you, you, you talked about the couple that, um, you know, that kind of cashed out and put, put everything in cash in, in back in 2009, if you have somebody like that, how, how do you try to coach them out of that? Um, because it seems like they're terrified to put anything back in the market. Well, they are, um, they are obviously someone who does not manage volatility well. Right. Uh, and this is an older couple who watches the news a lot, which isn't really good for your, uh, right. Believing in markets, uh, you know, the Dow is down a hundred points and they're acting like it's in the world. And like, what percentage does that again? Like right. point point two percent Come on people. Um, so it's, um, 
you know, you just have to kind of, you got to work with them. You got to say, hey, you know, we have to get a rate of return on, on our money. Inflation is real. Right. And it's obviously picking up. Um, your money is going backwards if it's in cash. And your life expectancy for, for two people in your mid-60s, there's a very high probability one of you is going to live in your 90s. And so we, we've got to, so it's just conversations like that where you, I mean, to kind of walk them through this. So going through, um, you know, different, dealing with different clients, um, different backgrounds, things like that. What is something that you've, that you've picked up from one of your clients that, um, you know, Kind of every time you talk to somebody, you remember it and kind of uh, kind of brings you back to to center. Well, I, I think the the thing that I think a lot of people may may not realize is, is there's really only about four ways to get rich in this country, in my in my opinion. Setting aside being an entertainer or an athlete, you know, starting a business and growing a business is probably the number one way to become wealthy. Taking a company public is another way. Getting a Fortune 500 golden handcuff is another way. So those those last two are pretty slim pickings of people who do that. Right. And then real estate entrepreneurship. So the wealthiest people I've ever met either started and built a business or they were real estate entrepreneurs. Those are the wealthiest people I've ever met. Um, so if someone really wants to go to the next level financially, that's probably one of the two things that they should consider doing. At the same time, we live in a culture where it's like, you know, let me go start this mobile app and then go public uh, with it a year later and become a billionaire at 24 years old. Well, that's not real life. No. Um, and so the reality is we want to get rich slowly. And, uh, you know, how much perspective does someone have who becomes a billionaire at 24 years old? Right. I don't know that they have a lot. Maybe they do. And so... We want to find out like, okay, you signed a multi-million dollar contract, Mr. Professional Athlete. Well, your professional career is typically not going to be that long. Right. So how much money do you have when you're 70? What does your family look like? So money, money is nothing more than a tool, but we idolize it and it can ruin us. And it honestly, it exposes what, what you have inside of you. So you give any of us $10 million today, if we have a, uh, if we have good inside of us, you're going to see that come to fruition with money. If we have bad, uh, right. it's, it's, it's going to come to fruition. So, you know, money is amoral. You know, it's always misquoted that uh, money is the root of all evil. That's not the quote. It says the love of money is a root of all evil. And so as long as you view it in the right context, it is merely a tool that allows you to do something. Yes, I'd love to have a billion dollars. I'd love to have a private jet as a guy who's six, eight flying commercial, not the most comfortable. <laughs> right. I'd love to have a G five 50 right. million dollar plane for those of you keeping score at home. Um, but it's not the end of the world. And so, you know, I, that's why I like to kind of make sure expose myself and my family to people in need. Like, you know, a few years ago, I took my daughter to Peru. We were in the jungles of Peru and in a little village where they bathed in the river. Mm-hmm. And they just got electricity like a year earlier, right? So I mean, you know, it, you, that was in December. We did that, and she didn't ask for much when we came home for Christmas. 
<laughs> so and so it, that that's the one thing I've noticed. It's like with money, you meet with someone who makes fifty k, you meet with someone who makes five million. Money is all relative. Right. It's all relative. What's a lot to someone who makes five million is not a lot to someone who makes fifty million. What's a lot to someone who makes fifty thousand is not a lot to someone who makes five hundred thousand. Right. And so it's all relative. Yeah, I agree. So. What's a question I haven't asked you that you wish that that I had? I'm sure my wife would have a really good, a really good <laughs> answer right here. Man, one may, I may not like. Right, exactly. Uh, so you know, I just well, this is kind of it's not really a question. It's just kind of a comment. I just think there's a lot of a lot of areas where people. I think a lot of areas. I think a lot of people probably think they're getting true financial planning. Mm-hmm. when they're really just getting advice on one section of their financial life. And, and the reality is, is you want someone who can be like a coordinator to help connect everyone. For example, the, the investment advisor probably isn't talking to the accountant about tax loss harvest rate. And the property and casualty agent is not talking to the attorney about liability limits. And the life insurance agent is probably not talking to the uh, attorney about uh, beneficiary designations and things like that. But if you can get all those people in one room, not necessarily in one room, that's not gonna be possible, but if you can have them all connected and make sure everything is coordination, I think there's power in coordinating all your assets and everything. I think there is a tremendous lack of coordination in personal finance today. Uh, We live in a culture that has become more busy than ever. If you ask somebody, it used to be, how you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Ask them now, how you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Right now, not everyone's busy. Everyone just thinks they're busy, um, but that's besides the point. We have to make sure everything we have is coordinated, and we have to make sure that regardless of what happens, our plan works. Yeah. So, if I die prematurely from X, Y, or Z, does my family's plan work? If I become disabled, does my family's work plan work? If I get divorced, does my plan work? If my spouse dies, does my plan work? If I lose a job, does my plan work? And so we have to make sure, because we live in a world where crap happens. Something bad's gonna happen. The question is how bad is it gonna be? Is it gonna be a fender bender? Or is it gonna be someone died? Yeah. Hopefully it's just a fender bender. But we gotta make sure we're prepared no matter what. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I mean, you know, play football, you know, you know you're the quarterback. You know, you wanna make sure that you have all the right members of the team around for people because if everybody is talking again when something does happen and if you know something were to happen to you and you know your wife's not the finance person that's really not her her thing if all the team members are around knows what's going on they're able to help her um you know and i i think that that's something that's that's really really important that a lot of people don't do that's for sure so if our listeners like what they're hearing um, and they want to want to reach out to you, how how best to get get in touch with you? Just go to my website, rossbrannon.com, R-O-S-S-B-R-A-N-N-O-N.com. There's a, you can click a schedule time to talk to me on the website. Uh, and from there, we can have a conversation and see, see if there's a, a mutual interest. Great. So I really appreciate your time today. Um, our guest today on the show has been Ross Brennan with Strategic Wealth Specialists. Uh, We appreciate your time, Ross. Thanks, Gary. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. 
Material discussed is meant for general information purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor at Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRASIPC. Financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 16139032, California Insurance License Number 0L10073, 2021-124005, Expiration 0723. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.